Hey guys, Trent here. Up front, I just wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded a couple weeks ago. But due to some random stuff going on, we did not get it out until now. So, I just wanted to bring that up up front because we have a lengthy review of a Dirty Honey Joyous Wolf show that actually happened almost two and a half weeks ago now. And we were talking about it like it was two days ago. And we also talk about Austin Moe's new single coming out tomorrow, which it actually came out about a week and a half ago. So, with all that being said, now maybe that'll make sense to you. Get ready for a great interview with Austin Moe, and be on the lookout here in the next week for interviews with Diamond Rowe of Tetrarch and Eric Kluber of Void Vader. Hey, this is Austin Moe, and you're listening to Thunder Underground. Welcome to episode 324 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here as always. And this week we've got Austin Moe joining us. This is going to be a very cool conversation talking about everything he's got going on. We're also going to talk about a concert we just saw. And of course, I'm sure something else. I don't know if you've got anything up your sleeve. Well, you're not wearing sleeves, so. <laughs> so I can't have anything up. <laughs> right. That was a pun that just wrote itself as I was speaking. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get into that, we need to let you know who we're sponsored by. The Rocklahoma lineup was finally announced, and DEB Concerts is a part of that because they present the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma every year. And this year at Rocklahoma, the Roadhouse stage will feature Stephen Piercy of Rat, who'll be headlining the pre-party on Thursday night. Bullet Boys will also be playing that day. And the Roadhouse stage will also feature headline spots from George Lynch, along with whatever he's now calling Lynch Mob, isn't it? The Electric Mayhem? George Lynch and the Electric Freedom. Oh, oh Electric Freedom. Electric Mayhem, that's a uh, freaking Muppets. <laughs> the Electric Freedom. It also feature George Lynch and the Electric Freedom, formerly Lynch Mob, John Five, and Puddle of Mud. All three of those bands will be headlining that Roadhouse stage. So get over there. There will also be tons of other bands, including some of the bands we've had on this podcast ourselves, right? Many. Totally. Yeah. We'll be talking about all that in the weeks to come. DEBconcerts.com is where you can get ticket info and be kept up to date on all future announcements, and we'll bring them to you here as well. We've also got Hell Hot Hot Sauce, a hot sauce company based out of the San Francisco Bay Area that makes small batch artisan hot sauces. You can buy them online at hellahothotsauce.com. If you're on the East Coast, they're in a lot of stores out there as well. So get online to find out where. They do a lot of collaborations. We've been fortunate enough to try Florida Frank's Florida Heat. Frank from Hatebreed has a sauce, and it is extremely good, and it is extremely hot, just like the title says. We've also been fortunate enough to try Techno Destructo's Garlic Death Grip, and that stuff is just amazing across the board, in my opinion. Um, that's a, I mean, it's garlic. You can't go wrong. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things in the world. It's badass. Yeah. So both those, Ghoul has been on this podcast. They have a sauce called Brain Jerk. There's several other sauces to try. And they've even announced there's, what, stuff in the works with Zetro. Right. Possibly Death Angel. Yes, that's right. Well, actually, Zetro is happening. I think yeah. I saw him post a thing recently about it. But there might be something coming from Death Angel and a few others, so... Of course, we'll let you know when that happens, so check out hellhothotsauce.com. Sunset Tattoo 
is a tattoo shop in Tulsa. Midtown Tulsa to be exact. 25 plus years of experience doing tattoos from Jake. His tattoos are done good and proper. State licensed. Mother approved. You can check out photos at Sunset Tattoo Tulsa on Facebook and on Instagram. It's at Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. Shoot him a message or give him a call to set up a time to get in there or talk about what work you need to have done. I've had a tattoo done by Jake. I'm really happy with it. And we know a lot of other people that have as well. So give him a call. Get over there and tell him Thunder Underground sent you. Finally, we've got Med Farm, a dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. 24683 is tie 51. There's 4,500 million dispensaries in this town now. So why should you choose Med Farm? Why do you think you should? Uh, Because they... uh. I put you on the spot. So. Right? They, do, they donate their, what, 30% of the profits to uh, no-kill Kill. animal shelters. That's right. And how many dispensaries did you say there were? 4,500 million. It was a new one. That, that's just on, that's just on like a couple streets. Yeah, that's just on Highway 51. Yeah, and there's way, yeah, there's okay. way more. <laughs> right. But yeah, 30% of those proceeds are going to build no-kill animal shelters. They'll also give you 10% off your first order if you mention Thunder Underground. And they also have a drive-thru. So if you call ahead, text ahead, email ahead, place your order, you can just drive right through and pick it up. You can find out their entire selection at leafly.com. They've got a big selection. So get over there, check them out, and tell them you heard about them. Thunder Underground. Past weekend, this past Saturday night to be exact, the Dirty Honey California Dreaming Tour rolled through Oklahoma. We had the chance to go out and check it out in Oklahoma City. They played at the Diamond Ballroom. And the tour is just Dirty Honey with Joyous Wolf in support. And you really don't need more than that when it comes to uh, these two bands. No, I don't <laughs> think so. Um, I don't think you need more than that when it comes to any bands. Well, yeah. <laughs> I really like two and three band bills. Yeah. Just, you know, anyways. Um, no, man, this is... I, and I think it's kind of what we talked about was our first, uh, our first national show or... Our first show back of national touring bands. Right. From, you know, all the pandemic craziness and whatever. And what a show to come back to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, these both these bands are just phenomenal. You know, they, they, I had like high expectations going into this because I was right. just, probably like you said, you know, we've been a long time without seeing some of these bands. I've really gotten into both these bands over the past year, year and a half. So for me, it was kind of like, this is what I was looking forward to more than anything else this summer, actually. Right. At that point, or at this point. And to go to it and for it to not only live up to that, I feel like it exceeded expectations I had somehow. How do you feel like it exceeded those expectations? I I just, I knew it was going to be good, but I was just like, I was like thinking about this whenever I was coming over here. Like, how do I word this without it sounding corny? It's one of those things I don't know how to explain where it's like... Just let it fly, man. You know you know how you've... Okay. Throughout our lifetime, we've been... The two of us, at least, have been going to shows now for freaking 30 years because it was 1991. Right. In all those years, everybody that goes to shows or tons of shows, you have, hey, you know, who's the what's the best show you've ever seen in your life? And you can name off five, ten shows pretty easily. But there's been countless bands we've seen throughout those years where it's like, that was awesome. That band's amazing live. But then every once in a while, you see a show where it's just kind of like unexplainable. Like there's a feeling 
you know, that kind of like right. just an aura in the yeah. room or something. And even like the crowd, it, the place was like, what, maybe half full, but right. it felt like the energy from the crowd felt like a freaking sold out stadium to yeah. me. As corny think, as that I sounds, so. it just, that's how it felt. And that's in large part due to how good both those bands were and especially how much the front men control the crowd. Yes. Uh, both front men, uh, Nick Reese and uh, Mark LaBelle, um, who have, by the way, both been on this podcast. Look it up. Look it up. It happened. Um, they politely demanded as much from the audience as they were giving out. Um, and, and, you know, the audience definitely responded in kind. And, and I really, I really thought it was cool that, um, you know, Nick from Joyce Wolf, you know, he, he had people sing the parts and it might not have been, songs that everybody totally knew yet but you know everyone you know you know they 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 gave it a good old college try yeah and you know you know from an opening act you just don't see that a lot to have that brashness i think was great and i'm just so glad to see that he's doing those uh flips and splits as i taught him (laughs) right um you know just it's good to finally you know it's good to see you know your students doing well. Yeah, your hard work's paying yeah, off. My well. hard work's paying off. Yeah. That is a complete joke. Um, <laughs> but no, um, and that's another thing, you know. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of jumping into it, but fuck it. Nick Reese is an amazing front man. I, I just, I, you, you, you can't take your eyes off of him, and that's, that's what you want in a band. I, I think that I hope the new record that they are working on is more indi- is indicative of this live show because the stuff that you that is out that you hear it's great it really is but but I just you know seeing him live was I mean it was just such such a great experience not only you know uh, but the band themselves that they're just fucking amazing um and um the same for dirty honey I mean you know I don't really know where to start and stop with this whole show right because on. it's just like I was thinking about writing things down like, while we were there. Cause yeah. I'm like, I don't want to forget to say this. I don't want to forget. To say this. And it's of like, course, motherfucker. I, I just, uh, I don't know if it's just like me being jaded or, you know, we've just, we've been doing this for so long or, or you know, I, how do I word all this stuff I know. without sounding fucking, well, I'm going to say know, something like I'm else. trying to kiss someone's ass or like I'm just, <laughs> you know, using the same fucking words over and over again. Well, I want to say something else that might be take it to another level of this guy's blowing smoke up people's asses, but I'm not mm-hmm. like we've said this many times throughout the past year or two when it comes to these two bands specifically, along with bands like Rival Sons and, you know, whoever else that we've talked about that fit into that new rock category of bands that are like doing rock the right way. Right. Yes. And I feel like this is a blanket statement for these two bands because we just saw them live that I feel like when you're watching this live. It's almost like if you were at a Led Zeppelin show in 1969 or an Aerosmith show in 1971, like this is a moment in time that 15 years from now, people are going to wish they were right in attendance to. That is a great fucking and, way to put it. That's a great fucking, you are exactly fucking right. I feel like that it's the late, takes the words out yeah, of my mouth. The yes. late sixties, early seventies, that whole moment when all those bands that are now iconic right. were starting out and. I feel like if you're at one of those shows, you're lucky as hell. And now I feel like one day you can tell some 25-year-old kid when you're 80 that you saw Dirty Honey and Joyous Wolf together. 
in 2021 and they'll shit the pants. Yeah. yeah. That's what I think. And that's a, well, I'm like willing when, to make that statement. Yeah. Uh, an older guy I used to work with years ago, um, was from England and he saw Zeppelin back in like the pubs. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, that's maybe that's the feeling you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And I was just like, motherfucker. Right. You're kidding. He's like, no, you know, yeah. I'm like, oh my God. Or like those people that saw us, you know, Van Halen opening for Sabbath. That, or right. Russian right. Ted Nugent shows. Those, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just, you can't really comprehend nowadays, yeah. you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I just think that like, it, and you know, I think these bands fit together well on a bill, but like Joyce Wolf has just like maybe a little bit more of, you know, maybe just a little bit more of a, a, a more alternative or more modern than retro, you know, than Dirty Honey. And Dirty Honey is just like straight up, you know, traditional, uh, you know, four on the floor, hard rock that is, that we need more of that's coming around. But that's just, that's kind of what that is. I just didn't expect, I mean, I knew it was going to be good, but I just didn't know it was going to be that good. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like, um, you know, I thought about it all day yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just, uh, it, it really, that show really hit. And I, I think that both these bands are going to do great things. They are doing great things. And I think that in this climate with, you know, you know, what's on, you know, all the shit that's on the radio and, and I'm not just saying, oh, all the shit, like it's literally shit on the radio and, you know, the things that are going on in, 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 in the live setting with, you know, tracks and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, whatever. And, you know, fucking nine string guitars and all this bullshit. This, I, I hope young people take note to bands like this in a show like that because that's how it was done it's it's pure organic it's you know it's from all the music was from them yeah. from their fingers from their voice from their hands from from their soul you know not to sound too uh you know spacey but and you know and what and that used to be the norm and now it's not so it's just so refreshing to see you know just some organic ass kicking yeah you know and another thing i thought was crazy was you know dirty honey i don't think i i've seen a band do like you know bass solo guitar solo drum solo i don't think i've seen anyone do that since like guns and roses and metallica and shit yeah and and i don't think metallica even do it anymore they just kind of do like you know a robin kirk doodle or something yeah and i'm you know and that used to be a thing where every big band did that yeah you might see like a guitar solo or a drum solo in a short thing from right. a band but you never see both right. or all three yeah exactly and that's a great thing to point out is you never any band can walk on stage and do a guitar solo or a drum solo it doesn't have to be amazing they're just they can do it if they want yeah but if you see a bit a bass solo on stage, it's because the guy's fucking great. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And he, he obviously proved that as well during that solo I saw. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Dirty Honey and Joyce Wolf, uh, I, I don't know. I don't. If you haven't really gotten on that train, I really don't know what your fucking problem is. <laughs> I mean, this you have to. Yeah, well, kind of like you said about Joyce Wolf, I mean, both bands are so good in my opinion that these the front men of each of these band, bands are what 
elevate them to another level. Right. But if you just put any old random singer in front of those other three guys in each of those bands, they're still going to be great. Yeah. Because those other three guys make that music great. Right. All eight of those guys look like fucking rock stars, too. That's yeah. the other thing. Yeah, is That's exactly. the other thing. You don't see that a lot. You see, like, you know, the singer or guitar or something kind of looks like, you know, Joe Perry or something from 1977. Right. And then the other three guys look like they got pulled out of, you know, the McDonald's drive through or something. Yeah. But this all four dudes look like, you know, hey, we're fucking rock stars. Listen to us. Right. Like, and our we, music. Yeah. Is fucking rock and roll. Listen to this. Yeah, know? when they walk in the room, you go, oh, that's the band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't look forced or douchey. It looks real, you know? Exactly. Yeah. But so, yeah. See this tour if you can. It's not a real long one, I don't think, of the two bands together. Like, mm -hmm. I don't even... haven't seen a thing in a bit, but I think it's like maybe three or four weeks. But So if you get a chance to check that out, absolutely do not miss it. And like Jason said... Mark and the drummer, Corey Coverstone, were both on here back in April, late April. And then Nick Reese from Joyous Wolf was on here last fall. I think it was October. Right. So look up both those. Both of them have a ton of great things to say. So hopefully we'll have those guys back again another day. For sure. But I guess speaking of that kind of thing, if you're into Dirty Honey or Joyous Wolf, there's a good chance you might like what Austin Moe's doing. Because he's got a great sound as well. It's not really exactly like either of those. His is a little more blues-based, but it's very the same word you like to use, organic and fresh. It You know, it sounds familiar, but it also sounds new, that kind of thing. Sounds like we're talking about produce. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Organic Sorry, I fresh. want to stop using that fucking word. <laughs> <laughs> but Austin Moe's brand new single, Take a Walk in My Shoes. We actually played it on our last episode with Damon Johnson last week, but it's officially released this week, this Friday, June 25th, so be on the lookout for that. Hit it, grab it up on any streaming platform or wherever you listen to music. Anything else you want to talk about before we jump into this? I think we're good. Is there anything else going on, really? I don't know. I'm sure there's there's news out there, but we didn't, I didn't really, nothing I don't know. Dave Chappelle got on stage with the Foo Fighters and sang Radiohead's Creep. Right, yeah. I haven't clicked on it yet. But Me neither. I thought, that's either going to be wildly amazing or just insane. Insane. I can't even speak insane. insane. And uh, It could be in the scene, too. I don't yeah. Know. Well, I saw the headline and never clicked on it. And then our buddy Mike Thrasher sent it to me just a bit ago. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I saw this, but I haven't watched it yet. And he said, it's interesting. So. Oh, I'm sure it it's is. It's worth checking I'm out. I'm sure it is. Hey, it's. A group and a comedian that are at the top of the you know top of the heap of what they do, but right, who knows how that will translate when you put them together? So. <laughs> and that's another one of those um, seeing Foo Fighters at the Canes Ballroom way, way, way back that's in true. the day, and now they play you know fucking Normo Domes. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my things. I like telling people to wow them. Or I saw Pantera in a little tiny club in right, '92, right. or yeah, you know, um, White Zombie in a tiny club, and that kind of stuff. Uh, Avenged Sevenfold, like first on. A four-band bill, and the headlining band was Mushroom Head. Right. I mean, and like, they didn't look anything like they look now. They didn't sound anything like they look now. It was, it was absolutely and completely forgettable. <laughs> but I saw. So you didn't it. like the early event sample? No, no, I did huh. not. Um, you know, they were the first. God damn it! It was. Avenged Sevenfold. Shadows Fall was on that, right? Yeah. High, High on, on Fire, fire Shadows yeah. Fall, and Mushroom Head. Yeah. And, um. Which that, that, 
that same four bill band, I'd pay money to see that shit right now. Bro, yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> uh, I mean, not Mushroom Head, fuck them, but um, hey, hey, they're better than a lot of bands you listen to. Nah, uh, we're not getting into okay. all that right now. Okay, okay, look. <laughs> But no, Vince Sevenfold had like, they just wore all black. They had baseball hats on, just right. stared at the floor the whole time. And, you know, the singer just, you know, he just barked. Yeah. It, it was crazy. They I was were like, real metal chorus. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, I'm glad that's over. And now look at them. You know, <laughs> they're fucking badass. Then Bad Country came out and you're like, oh, this is the same fucking band? Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> that was really the thing that I was like, huh? You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> right. So anyways, we got off topic there, but. Oh, one more thing. Dirty Honey played Girls Got Rhythm. Yes, man. And it was fucking amazing. That was insane, dude. That was so fucking cool. And it was just crazy because that band's so, like you were talking about, like just loose and whatever the right word is, you Mm -hmm. know, where you think of just your classic rock bands. And, you know, ACDC was kind of the opposite of that back then even, you know, they were, right. everything was tight to the point, you knew exactly the riffs, this and that, and Dirty Honey's not that. They're more like your Pearl Jams or Black Crows where you go out there and it's just kind of a flowing jam thing. Exactly. You know the song, but it could sound a little different. Right. Um, but they hit Girls Got Rhythm and it's one of the best ACDC covers I've ever yeah. heard in my life. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They nailed that fucking thing. Yeah. But all right. So now back to Ostomo, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think we kind of already did the intro, so I guess I can just say. Right. <laughs> check this out. Here's Austin Moe. Take a walk in my shoes. It's got a little bit of a heavier edge than the river. Kind of talk about what you like about this song and how it differs from what people kind of knew you from before that. Well, with this song, hanging out with Frank, you know, it's it's almost a little inevitable that a little bit of his um, classic rock influence is going to rub off on me. And so... The more that we were hanging out and stuff, the more on my own that I was coming up with these these kind of heavier edge riffs. And so we met up last year and kind of did the same process that we did with the river. We went through a bunch of riffs that I had recorded on my phone and as well as looking over the lyrics and stuff. And so we came across the intro riff, which is the right after the drum fill after that that kind of chanting little intro thing and he's like oh yeah I like that let's look through your lyrics so then we looked through my lyrics and we kind of uh, met up for like a couple of days on and off throughout the next weeks and um, started chipping away at that and we were realizing at the time um, there was a lot of division in the U.S just because of all the things that was going on with the news and everything. And so we wanted to write a song that kind of embodied, like, you know, we don't understand what somebody else could be going through and vice versa. And so that's the main message of the song, which is, you know, we rather than trying to fight and further 
you know, divide ourselves just as people in general, we should try and understand their background and what they're coming from and unite rather than, you know, trying to make a big old mess of everything. Right. And, you know, it's, it's a great point you bring up and it, you know, the lyrics kind of address all this stuff without really taking sides one way or the other. Um, was that, was that intentional? Was that kind of a point you really wanted to get across was just not to go one way or the other? Yeah, I think when we were discussing it, when Frank and I were trying to um, express, you know, what we wanted to without really saying it's this way or it's that way, because uh, what what I've noticed over the years is songs that are about unity aren't like stating it's this side of the fence or it's that side of the fence. It's it's kind of, you know, everybody is great in their own way, you know. I saw recently that you went to Boston to record, so I'm assuming that wasn't this song because you did this one with Frank, right? Yeah. The trip to Boston, was that for, you know, that's for stuff that's coming out later in the year? Yeah, the, um, so I actually met this producer in Boston. His name is Joe Merrick, and I came across his video that he did of um, they redid Pink Floyd's Young Lust and it's very like in your face hard rock kind of vibe not that the original isn't but they definitely put a modern spin on it and so I was initially going to add Young Lust into my set list because gigs are starting to open back up here in California and so the way that I learned songs is I watch covers, and if people aren't exactly playing the song right, I can tune it to my own, you know, and figure it out that way. And so I came across this video, and it was totally different. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, I think it only has, the views are, are just under, like, uh, so many tens of thousands. I forgot the exact number but it just blew my mind. And so we reached out to this guy who I'd never talked to before. And within a month, we tracked some songs while I was in California. He did bass and guitar, or um, he did bass and drums. And then I flew out and did guitar and vocals. And man, was that, it was a great experience. But by the end of that trip, I was just so exhausted. We did just over 30 hours of studio time in three days. And it, it was, I, I'd do it all over again, but oh man, we're going to try and, and um, we're looking at going back in September and recording three or four more songs to release an EP later this year. But I'm definitely going to space out more time to relax. <laughs> Doing it that fast, uh, that really, uh, that speeds up your experience, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and even working with other people, it, it's so interesting to see because Frank is an amazing producer, and he comes up with great ideas. And when I went to work with Joe, he's also an amazing producer and came up with, he's 
very similar in the way that he thinks with Frank. And that's one of the reasons why I went out there to begin with is just talking with him on the phone and the ideas that he sent me over. I was just so blown away. I was like, Oh yeah, this dude freaking is amazing. Right. Yeah. That kind of plays into a question. I wondered, you know, you kind of just mentioned it, but working with two different producers like that, does that create any kind of challenge in keeping the songs kind of cohesive sounding from when you do get to the point of your EP? Um, at the moment, it's, I think people are really going to enjoy what I've created in Boston and what Frank and I have recorded and are currently going to release. And um, I'm just excited for everything. I, I can't describe exactly, you know, put it to words just yet, but I think people are going to really enjoy the music that's going to come out from from Frank and I and from, from Joe and I. Well, uh, is is that going to be like a full album or is it an EP? How 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 do you think you're going to navigate that? Uh, at the moment, I'm thinking of while I'm still recording with with Joe in Boston, I'm going to be releasing the songs as singles that I've worked with Frank and I, and so we have two more that are unreleased that are really killer, and I'm planning on releasing those in the next. I would say gradually in the next three to four months or three to five months, give or take. Okay. So the, the stuff that you did with, with Joe is kind of a going to be like, it's separate thing from the stuff you do with Frank. I was thinking it was kind of all going on the same EP or album in the future. Yeah. Yeah. At, just at this time, it may, it may change and we, and we might, you know, we're still trying to, uh, me and my manager are still trying to figure out what the best way to approach it, you know. Gotcha. And, and, you know, when it comes to your to your writing process, is it always guitar first and then the lyrics or melodies, or how do you go about that? You know, usually yes, but there's a song that will be um, released with with at this time, and most likely with the EP of Joe, it's called Golden Girl. And uh, I, I don't know where this came from, but I woke up really early one day. It was like three in the morning, and I couldn't get these words out of my head. So I picked up my acoustic guitar, and I strummed real quiet. I sang, uh, I don't even know, it was probably, I think it was the whole song. I wrote it within an hour. And then I went back to bed. But usually, nine times out of ten, I'll either be playing a song and just noodling around and, and come up with a riff by accident, or I'll intentionally go through the song ideas that I've recorded and try and put one or two or three things together to flesh out an idea, and then lyrics will come later. Do you find it easier when you're doing that by yourself or whenever you're doing it with like Frank or someone else involved in the writing process with you? I think it's at the moment, the way that I've been learning from Frank and from Joe is I've come up with the general idea and then I will present it to them. I'll either go up to Frank or send it to Joe and they'll give me some ideas like, Oh, well, how about 
instead of, you know, whatever it is, either E, A, B for the chorus, how about try D, C, G, and lift it up from that way and try this kind of vocal harmony. So it's really good for me, at least, while I'm learning every day to strengthen my songwriting, to hear those different um, ears, so to speak, of what they hear the song to go. Because the more that I'm being exposed to it, the more it's, it's starting to occur naturally. Like I'm working on a song right now. It's just a demo, but uh, I just recently wrote a chorus for it and I got goosebumps immediately. And I was like, yeah, this is exactly where I want the song to go. And so hopefully in this next batch of tunes, it's going to be recorded either in Boston or, or elsewhere. And it's going to be killer. I'm learning a lot from both guys, and it's definitely helping me in the long term. Right, you know, when you get the goosebumps, it's almost like the the song is writing itself. You know. Oh yeah, it's, like it's coming yeah, from it, somewhere it was, else. <laughs> yeah, there is. I think it was Sam. Frank told me this. It was either Santana or somebody. I don't remember the exact person who said it, but somebody asked, it was a famous person. It was like, what, what is your definition of being a musician and like your songwriting process? And he goes, you know, sometimes with songs, you're just the vessel to put it out into the world. It, it, it almost feels like somebody from beyond is giving you their music that they couldn't write themselves yeah, while exactly. they're here. And so they're giving it to you to release out into the world. And sometimes, man, it, it, it's it's scary how easy, like, it just flows out supernatural. And then other times, it's like trying to force a pig on a freaking dog door. <laughs> <laughs> you did mention, you know, live shows opening back up and, like, how, how many shows have you played recently? And I, I saw you've got some scheduled this summer as well. Um, we just played up in this town called Marysville a couple of weeks ago. It was um, my my best friend Spencer's last show. He played bass, and uh, it was a really good time. You know, held back the tears, but I believe I have, I think, seven or eight booked throughout the year. And I'm focusing more on songwriting than I am booking myself because normally – um, pre-COVID, I would have like five to eight gigs a month, which for not being on like uh, actual like direct support tour, that's a lot for a little little cover band. Yeah. You know, driving all over the place, setting up PA's, and don't get me wrong, I love it, but right now, um. I've been focusing on more songwriting than I have booking myself. And quite honestly, I'm having just as much fun. Yeah. It's kind of like a, I don't know, a blessing in disguise. Like when you have more time to do that kind of thing. And then now that all these shows are picking back up, everybody's going to be out trying to play. So it might benefit you to kind of do the opposite and go slower back into that process. Yeah, Definitely. That's that's kind of the, the mentality that I'm at because 
on the one hand, I could, you know, put myself from here to December. However, I have a ton of songs that I've created over the last year and a half that I want to get recorded and release out to the world. So, you know, I'll still be doing shows here and there whenever I see fit. But for the most part, I'm going to be focusing on songwriting and, and trying to release music and, you know, put my name out there. Well, I know we talked a, a little bit about it last time you were on, but like, how are you approaching, you know, being a new artist during this pandemic, which is totally different than what anybody else in the music business has ever had to deal with? And like, have you gotten any advice from Frank or Joe or anybody else in the music business to try to help you kind of guide through this early part of your career? Part of when, when all this stuff happened, when I was working with Frank exclusively, um, honestly, we both didn't know what to do. We were, we were trying to figure it out. Like it was like four months into this stuff and we were going to try and pull off some live stream concerts and stuff and try and, um, gig that way, so to speak, because we, we didn't know if live music was ever going to come back. Like we seriously had no idea. And so the advice that, that Frank gave me was, you know, while everybody's down, it, it gives the artists, both me and you, he's talking to me, uh, a lot of time to either focus on improving our skills, either singing or writing or learning a new instrument, and, you know, focusing on creating ideas and fleshing them out and recording them so then when everything starts to open back up, you have a catalog of music to surprise people with pretty much. And so that's where I've been the last year. And from now, today, from when I started, I've definitely improved a lot just by hanging out with Frank. And as far as my songwriting goes, and it's a lot easier, I think now, and I'm still learning, to take a riff and create it into a song rather than, you know, kind of stumble in the dark like when I started out. Well, as far as like the singles go, have you found that kind of challenging to, you know, to promote your music without being able to go out and play in these past few months? It's definitely been strange because people, you know, they when an artist releases the new, new material, almost immediately the people granted it's a good song, which I believe uh, Frank and I did a really cool job on the river. And we definitely kicked some serious tail on this new song, take a walk on my shoes. Uh, people want to see the song live, you know? So I'm definitely going to start incorporating these new songs into my set. And I think people are going to dig it either live and or on, you know, the car stereo or, or home or wherever they, they play the song. Yeah. Yeah. This kind of music, you know, like that kind of hard driven blues, classic rock kind of sound of music is always translates live extremely well in my opinion. Oh yeah. We, when we were tracking it, um, 
I had these two guys that I had met. It's a funny story. Uh, I'll try to make it quick. And um, so I, while Spencer, my, my bass player in the, in the River Music video, was in the process of moving, I told him, I was like, hey, man, do I have your blessing to start, you know, while you're in town looking for other musicians to try and come and fill your spot? Because if I wait until you're gone, live music starts happening again, I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot. Right. He was like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I don't have a problem, but thanks for bringing it up and and asking me. And I was like, okay, cool. So I put out a couple of ads, and this dude hit me up. And he lives about an hour past this place called Jackson, California, which is like uh, super uh, Redwoods area. And he drove all the way down. It was like a three-hour-plus drive to come and jam with me, and he's a bass player. And so we jammed and stuff, and it was really good. And he stayed over and then left the next day, and so I called Frank. And I was like, dude, I just jammed with this killer bass player, da-da-da. Things are starting to, you know, look up when the music comes back. And he goes, oh, well, does he, do you know if he has a drummer friend? And I was like, he said he did. Why? What's up? He goes, oh, well, it's Saturday. I have some time in the studio available. If you guys want to come up and track some songs, you know, that'd be great. I'm like, uh, uh, I guess we'll, we can try. Like I only jammed with the bass player. And so I called the bass player that day. This is one day after he, he had got home and I said, Hey man, um, Frank Hannon, the Tesla told me that if you guys want to, learn my material we can go and, and record this weekend and they were like oh my god yes what do we have to do and i said well what does your job schedule look like they're like we're not working the whole week and i'm like good you gotta live at my house for the rest of the week so we can get these songs down to go and record with frank and they freaking did it man two dudes i never met who are my age killer musicians on on bass and drums we just 24 seven worked on these songs up until the day that we were in the studio and just tracking it live was, I was like, Oh man, this is going to turn out fantastic. And it did. It's crazy how uh magic like that happens sometimes. Yeah. So the chemistry was like immediate with the three of you. You didn't have to like work towards it over those few days. Oh, yeah. No, it, it was, we all hit it off right away. The drummer and I, we still talk. We were, um, they, so the drummer had uh, some job opportunities that happened. So I respect, you know, his decision. He's pursuing that career. And so we, we, we all still talk, though. We, we keep in touch. But that week and a half was studio time with Frank which is so just, it was kind of surreal how, how well it went. Out of the blue, final question for you here. Last time we talked to you, ACDC's Power Up had just came out, and I just wanted to know what you kind of thought of the whole album now that we've had it out here for several months. Oh, man. I, speaking of that, my mom actually bought me the light-up box um, oh, wow. <laughs> CD little album. Yeah. And I opened it up on Christmas, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> and listening to it, man, 
I don't know how they do it. Like, I, I honestly thought when, when they, I don't know the right phrasing I should use for this, but from my perspective, when Brian was kicked off the tour, well, excuse me, when Brian was kicked off the tour on Rock or Bust, I was like, oh man, ACDC's done for. Like, I was so disappointed. And for the people who saw the Axel, you know, double singer tour, they said he killed it. However, listening to this new album that they just released in December, I'm like, oh my gosh, these dudes are how old and they're still kicking butt, man. Like, the leads that Angus did, and even the rhythms, the rhythm tracks that Stevie Young did, very, very good, in my opinion, you know, compared comparing it to Malcolm, which people shouldn't do, and I shouldn't, but, you know, I'm a diehard ACDC fan, so you're going to get that, but it was, it was just as rock solid as anything else they've released. Right. I, I think I think our general consensus was what we think it's like the best one since uh, Razor's Edge. Yeah. Before this album, I think my favorite album that they had released was uh, Black Eyes. Yeah, I really well, yeah. like that album. Yeah, that is that is a great record. That's a great point. That's a great point. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just it's always crazy to me that they can release music that sounds like the music they released all these years later, and it's still fresh and relevant to me somehow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and their music videos were were definitely, I think, a first for, um, what was it? I think it was, I'm forgetting the very first one that they released, their first single that they... um, Oh, Shot in the Dark? Yeah, Shot in the Dark, where they used, I was watching some behind-the-scenes footage, and they were using, like, GoPros, but, like, with the really wide fish islands and they had like little paper cutouts and stuff yeah, to act as Angus when they were doing that like 360 rotating kind of view. And I was like, wow, I didn't even notice that in the music video. <laughs> and so there's a lot of new things that can still happen, man, regardless of what band is kicking butt. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Well, Loving what I've heard from you, and I can't wait to hear what you've got coming later this year, and we appreciate you joining us once again. Yeah, guys, thank you so much for having me. I, I, I'm really honored, and I really appreciate being on the show. Uh, no problem, man. You're welcome anytime. Uh, hey, be careful what, what you say, man. You won't get rid of me. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> there you go, Austin Moe. A huge thanks to Austin for giving us a call there and taking some time out to talk to us for a bit about his brand new single and of course all the other stuff he's got going on. All that work with Frank Hannon and everything he's been doing, we're going to be hearing a lot more of him in the coming year and I'm sure in the coming years he's on the right path. That's another thing. Frank Hannon, man, he's kind of been blowing up on the production and the guys yeah. he's working with over yeah, the past. He's, he's getting it done, isn't he? Past few years. Right, right. Yeah. So check all that out too. We've had on some other artists of his, the worked with him like Red Voodoo, and we just played that Aaron Lee song a few weeks ago, and I'm sure there's stuff I'm forgetting. And of course, Frank Hannon's been on here three times himself. Yes. But with all that being said, check out Austin Mo on your social medias. Give him a follow. That's Austin M O, and let him know you heard about him here. All right. If this is your first time listening, we really appreciate it. Wherever you're listening right now, 
like, follow, subscribe so you don't miss us in the future. We're pretty much everywhere you can listen to podcasts. You can also listen directly off our website, lethalunderground.com. All our socials are on there too, so click on all those and follow us as well. We've got upcoming episodes with Diamond Rowe from Tetrarch. We've also got an upcoming episode with Eric Kluber of Void Vader. We've got some other stuff in the works as well. Like we just said a minute ago, we've had on Frank Hannon multiple times. Brian Wheat of Tesla has also been on here. Vivian Campbell of Def Leppard. Gene Simmons of Kiss. Bruce Kulik, formerly of Kiss. Damon Johnson was on here last week, and he's now been on here five times. Ricky Warwick from Black Star Riders was also on here with him one of those times. Biff Byford from Saxon. Uh, Mike Dean and Reed Mullen were both on here from Crozier Conformity. Guys from Prong, Typo Negative, Shinedown, Warrant, Trickster, Shooter Jennings. There's a long-ass list. Go check it out. 300-plus episodes you can check out. Subscribe, like, follow all that BS. All right. Once again, a huge thank you to Austin Moe at MedFarm, DEB Concerts, Sunset Tattoo, and Hell Hot Hot Sauce. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.